you are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. All right, we got any USF Cougars in the house. Come on now. That was weak for the, as many of them as there are in the spot. Any Vikings, any Augustana Vikings in the house, we better just do it. Any Yotes in the house, any Jackrabbits in the house, come on now. Sorry, North Dakota people. Uh, hey, uh, today I want to introduce my friend. I'm, a, I'm definitely a... Uh, a uh, cougar for sure, USF cougar in the house. But you know, as I've worked with people from all those schools, I know that uh, it's just we're just people going to schools. Uh, but today, I want to introduce you to a guy who impacted my life and, and even so many of you in here. He's a pretty humble dude. His name's uh, Dennis Toom. He's a campus pastor. He he hangs out with college students and tries to uh, point them in the right direction. I was one of those students. I remember. Uh, one conversation that he had on on some steps. It, it was like top three conversations of my life of somebody just putting a little word. And so today, as as Dennis pops up here, I hope that he feels home field advantage with y'all, uh, no matter what school you're from, um, because he might be just a guy who puts some wind in your sail. It just might be a word, a small word, uh, but know that it's coming from a beautiful place. Uh, sometimes being the guy up here, it can look from there that we've got it all together, um, just having a microphone, because uh, sometimes you can see the paint. You get to paint and talk about the stories and the scriptures, but in there you can miss the pain. The best artists have pain, and uh, this man will speak from a place of, uh, I know the pain that he's carried, uh, but he will paint for you today. So, Dennis, my man. Uh, my mentor, uh, authentic, genuine, uh, one of the good ones, Dennis Toom. Come on, y'all. Thank you, Adam. Um, so Dave texted me Thursday and said, not feeling too good. Can you fill in? And I was feeling good Thursday. Uh, and then Friday in class, all of a sudden, middle of class, uh, my voice disappeared. But I had COVID tested, so I don't have COVID. Uh, hopefully, uh, so is that me doing that? Okay. Uh, maybe if I just lay it there, would that work? Okay. So, uh, life is full of unexpected mystery. You know, I, the last two years at USF, it, I think the best way to put it would be like playing a, a giant game of whack-a-mole. You know, it's just, there's always something you're going to have to pound on. And uh, try to get through, try to adapt, try to, to learn. It's been the most unusual two years uh, for all of us, hasn't it? Just trying to get, when you ever get caught up with someone, you say, well, what's going on in your world? Well, you know, and then you go into this two-year litany of, of bizarre and crazy and strange. Um, but the neat thing is to see how God sees us through those things. And, and we're definitely going to be five years from now looking back at this period of time and, and, and be able to see, like Kierkegaard said, we live our lives looking forward, we understand our lives looking backwards. And uh, when we look back on this period of time, we're going to get some insights. Uh, we're going to understand. But right now, it's a lot of walking by faith. A lot of times, you just step out and, and we see what happens next. And, and uh, right now, especially in this critical time in our nation, I think uh, it is hard to see sometimes what's going on and what God is doing. Uh, so when Dave 
texted me and told me about what was going on and what he did. I quick went online and looked up his last sermon and saw that he had talked about Romans chapter 8, which I can't tell you how important Romans 8 is. It's like when, if you look at Paul, the apostle Paul, the mystic, you're looking at Romans 8 as this mystical moment, the high point of all of Pauline theology is really Romans 8, I think, in many ways. He got caught up in something, in this ecstasy of what, not only what is, but what is to be. And so I'm really happy for you that you get to walk through Romans, and I would encourage you as a daily discipline to just keep reading it and just keep reflecting on it, because there's a lot. So I want to start by just reading, uh, by reviewing what uh, you read last week, in case you weren't here, or in case you can't remember, and uh, believe me, I've been in the pulpit long enough to know that people don't always, even though they're here, they don't remember, or whatever, you know, you ask somebody, what'd you hear in the sermon? I don't know, it's about Jesus. So anyhow, Romans 8, uh, we're going to start there, 8, with uh, beginning verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And to deal with sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, so that the just requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. To set the mind on flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, you are in the spirit, since the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, Though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. Now that's a, a lot to think about. And, and when you think about that text, there's so many things you could say. I'm not going to re-preach Dave's sermon. But he focused a lot on condemnation, forgiveness, um, you know, I think for so long, in my own spiritual journey, um, I, I, I misunderstood this Christian life as, well, it's all about commitment. You know, we talked about making commitments to Christ. And, 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 and it was all, uh, the spiritual life was all, so much about your commitment to Christ. But when you read a text like this, you realize that it's more about Christ's commitment to you. Uh, yes, we respond to that. But when we begin with our commitment to Christ, we're already on shaky ground. And so it, it begins, grace means Christ's commitment to you. The other thing when I, in my spiritual life so often, I used to think about salvation as just about getting me into heaven. You know, getting your fire insurance, you know, before you die. Make sure you know where you're headed. If you were to die tonight, where would you go, right? And so much about getting you into heaven. And then I realized as I was reading the scriptures over the years, the Christian life is really more about getting heaven into you. Of course it's important to know where you're going to go when you die. But more importantly, in the day-to-day life is, is heaven in you. And, and one of the things that's troubled me greatly as a person who's been in evangelicalism for 45 years um, is to see so little of Jesus in white evangelical church, church today. Um, we're not known out there 
for being Jesus people anymore. We're known to be political. We're known to be uh, on an agenda. But a lot of people, the greatest criticism of the church today sometimes is, seems to be that they don't see a lot of Jesus. And so it isn't just about getting you into heaven. It's about getting heaven into you. Um, and so when I was talking to, to uh, Dave about where you go from here, we decided uh, maybe a good place to go would be to go back to what Jesus had to say about uh, what he was going to do for us and how he promised us the Spirit. So um, my text for today uh, really comes back to uh, Jesus' words in John 14 where he um, was saying to his disciples, on this night before he's betrayed, John has this long, lengthy discourse that Jesus has the night before he's, he is going to the cross. And he says, very truly I tell you, in John 14, beginning in verse 12, I tell you that the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I'm going to the Father. Now, just think about that. Look what Jesus did. He raised the dead, he healed the sick, he, he fed the masses, he walked on water, and he uh, built a community that was uh, going to change the world. And yet he said, I can't do that as long as I'm here. I was working, uh, <laughs> think about that. If, if, everywhere Jesus went, people were making demands. Heal, my, heal me, heal my family, heal, yeah, provide for me. You know, and if Jesus would have spent all his time just t- fulfilling the requests of all the people that came to him, he'd have never had time to go to the cross. He'd still be walking around Galilee right now, taking care of everybody. Um, But he had to go to the cross. He had to go back to the Father so that the church could do even greater things. Now, I've never seen the dead raised, although I've seen a lot of amazing things over the last 45 years, as you and I have. But what Jesus said is that if he didn't go back to the Father, the amazing things really couldn't happen. Think about that. Amazing things couldn't happen. Two weeks ago today, uh, Desmond Tutu died. Uh, he was an uh, a, a Anglican bishop. He was a church leader. He was a leader in reconciliation. He was a voice for sanity in an insane world. He was a South African bishop who had a fight against racism and had a fight against uh, an entrenched way of thinking and, had to, and, and did remarkable, extraordinary things. Um, it's easy to look at a Desmond Tutu. He was on my hero list. He was one of my all-time favorite people, one of those spiritual giants. Uh, but yet it's ironic when you really study church history for the last 2,000 years, you know, we get far too enamored with spiritual giants. We become too much focused upon the big achievers and forget about all the things God does through just ordinary people like you and me. Uh, yes, Every once in a while, a Martin Luther emerges. Every once in a while, some big name emerges, and then we get all fascinated with that, but there would be no Martin Luther if there weren't all the people that helped keep him sane, or tried. Luther was a complex character. <laughs> and and, and you, you can look at all these guys and, and, and say, you know, yeah, it's easy to focus on the, on, the, on the tip of the spear and not realize there's a whole lot more here as well. And so that's what it means when Jesus was saying he was going to do far greater works through us um, than, than he would even do himself on this earth, that there would be this team of people doing greater works once he went to the Father. I will do whatever you ask 
Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these, because I'm going to the Father, and I will, and wh- I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, and in my name, if in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. The Spirit within us, is, uh, Romans 8, you will see, tells us, praise within us. Um, and you know, this is interesting because just recently in Jesus' name, I asked a friend for a friend uh, of mine who had COVID to not die, but he did. Now, this is the nice part about being a guest speaker, okay? If I tick you off right now, it's okay. Don't take it out on Dave, okay? Uh, this is Denny T talking here. Uh, yes, I'm the Denny T. I'm not the T Denny. USF got stuck with the, with the guy that had no money. So I'm, can't, at USF, I'm Denny T. So this is Denny T talking, not Dave Campbell or anybody else. My friend said he didn't need the shot. He could trust Jesus. And so we all prayed in Jesus' name once he got COVID that he would survive, and he didn't. Um, and I'm convinced that when he got to heaven, the first thing Jesus said to him, you know, if you, I gave you the shot, if you'd just taken it, you blew it. I really believe that. I believe that we ask for many things in Jesus' name that don't happen because we don't know the spirit of Christ, what what Christ is leading us into. So don't think of these as magic words right here. Don't think that just because I put the name of Jesus on it, like sometimes you here in the Sunday school class, like praying in Jesus' name is like putting the stamp on the envelope. You know, we pray, blah, 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 and then in Jesus' name, amen, and then like we say the magic words, and now it's got to happen. That's not prayer, that's magic. That's using Jesus as an incantation to incant, to make something happen that we want. Um, the skeptic looks at this text and says, there's all kinds of things asked for in Jesus' name that never happened. And sometimes we just say, you know what? Prayer is a mystery. And yes, when God's people together unite in Jesus' name and serve in Jesus' name and allow the Spirit to empower them, extraordinary things happen but it's unpredictable, it's sometimes inexplainable, and it's a, it's a great mystery. So sometimes, you know, we look at this text and say, well, this can't be true because I prayed for something in Jesus' name and it didn't happen. Well, there's a bigger thing here than just my will. Remember, the essence of the spiritual life is not my will, but thy will be done. And so Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You will know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. Wow. Jesus in my heart. Jesus in my life. Jesus in our midst. This is the spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As we say in theology class, three eternal distinctions, one divine essence. The uniqueness of Christianity is this idea of a three-person Godhead that is one God that lives in dynamic, static community. The best metaphor I have for the Trinity is a fidget spinner. Uh, Remember those little things you get? When it's static, when it's stopped, you see three points. But a fidget spinner isn't really a good fidget spinner until it's doing its thing, right? And when you give the spin to the fidget spinner, I think you have the best metaphor for the Trinity. Alive, dynamic, interacting, not just pulsating, uh, or not just sitting up in heaven looking down, but in fact an alive, dynamic community. Our God is community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Spirit is not the Son. The Son is not the, 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 the Father. The, the, the three are distinct, yet they are one essence. If you can figure that out, 
Good luck. Uh, But if you deny it, you deny the very essence of our faith. At the core of our faith is this God in community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, loving one another, enjoying one another, distinct yet one with one another, uh, mind-boggling. And then that dynamic, cosmic, cosmic sprinter enfolds us in that community. That's why the church is community. That's why the church is, is life. That's why your spiritual life is always connected, not just to God and you, but to God and God's people in this dynamic community that the Spirit pulls us into. And so when you want to see Jesus, you don't just look at a Christian, you look at the body of Christ. You see all God's people around. And then when we see that, then we start to see the Spirit at work. And that takes us back to Romans chapter 8 where in the coming weeks you're going to see how Paul walks us through in Romans 6, 7, and 8, how God works in a community in beautiful and marvelous ways. And so I'd like to just give you today just some quick thoughts on what I see as the evidence of the Spirit at work in our lives. I believe the first thing that when you see the, the Spirit of, of God at work in our lives is we, we, we see a humility, we see a, 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 a brokenness. We see a sadness for uh, what we wish could be uh, sadness in the midst of joy. When you look at what God is doing in the world, when we look at what God wants in the world, uh, it, it kind of breaks our hearts sometimes. But at the same time, we see joy. And that's why Oscar Romero once said, there are things that can only be seen through eyes that have cried. You know, uh, it, the spiritual life is that thing, that, 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 that wake-up call, that, that awareness of the struggle. And Romans 8 will talk about the struggle profoundly, when, especially when it says, in, in, in all things God is at work for the good of those who love him. And it talks about the sufferings of this present age. Uh, life is not easy. And following Jesus is not the easy way through life. And yet it is the way, the truth, and the life. And so to me, the sign of the Spirit at work in our midst is not performance, it's not achievement, it's not uh, uh, perfection, this side of heaven. It is, in fact, a, a lot of broken people living and working together and learning from our mistakes, and sometimes only by making mistakes that we can actually finally learn. And so to me, a sign of the Spirit in our, our community is a humility and a repentance and a willingness to let God use our brokenness and, and build from there. See, I was always kind of enamored with, again, like I said, spiritual giants. I was always kind of enamored with performance rather than transformance. And to me, in the spiritual life, you know, it was real easy to look at, at, at history and look at the Bible and, and only see good performers and thinking, to be a good Christian, I have to perform well. That's another, to me, a, 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 a false sign of the Spirit. Yes, of course, there are times when we do something right. There are times when a Desmond Tutu comes along and does something brilliant. There are times when somebody, because of the team with them, um, something goes right. But you know, for the most part, the Christian life, the Christian community, we're kind of a bunch of losers, (laughs) aren't we? I mean, look at all the stupid things you did this last week. Uh, Look at all the dumb things that that have happened in the name of Jesus throughout history. And yet, isn't it amazing how God takes these broken things and transforms them into something good and beautiful? Look at the church, 
I say to students all the time, you know, one of the things, though, you old-timers that were at USF 20, 30 years ago, uh, one of the things that I find really interesting, uh, we have more and more students with less and less of a background. Uh, more and more people that have, uh, in fact, in my section of Christian thought right now, I have a Wiccan, I have a Muslim, and I have two atheists, and I have some people that have never really even really stepped foot in a church. We're seeing more and more of that and so our mission field is really growing because at the same time, we have the kind of, look at you people, some of you wonderful people, like the same kind of still wonderful souls uh, like you that came to USF, uh, but we're having more and more people with less and less of a background. And so, you know, I always say to them, if you want a good excuse to not go to church, I can give you every one you can think of because I've seen it all and I've seen some terrible things happen in the church and yet I see some beautiful things that happen in the church. This week I had a chance to take my students to Trey Ministries on, on 12th Street, 11th, 11th and uh, Waltz. It's a, it's a parachurch ministry in town, an outreach to college students. And there we talked about Life Lights Youth Outreach. And then we talked about the banquet. And we talked about uh, the, uh, the, the, the Bishop Dudley House. And we talked, to, and so I, as I, we were talking with students about all these different ministries, there was such a thrill to realize that in Sioux Falls alone are dozens of ministries that are changing this community. There would be no USF, there would be no Augustana, there would be no Sanford Hospital, there would be no Avera Hospital, there would be no Good Samaritan Society, there would be no Gospel Mission, there would be none of these things if it wasn't for God's people in this town. If it wasn't for the church, none of these things would happen. And yet the interesting thing in the world is when they see the church, what they see is a building. Uh, they don't understand. You have to, we have to open their eyes to understand what the church really is. The church is not going to someplace for an hour a week. The church is not a building you attend. The church is God's people in the world. And you know that. I'm preaching to the choir here. But this is interesting that, that, that so many times um, we, we fail to see what God is really doing, what the Spirit is really doing in the community of Christ in this world. There is a transformation happening. It's not just about performing. It's just not, oh, I don't drink, smoke, cuss, and chew, and don't mess with folks who do. It's kind of a spirituality. It is, in fact, a transformational process that's happening. And little by little, incrementally, I just turned 69. I'm such a loser yet. But yet, amazingly, God slowly changes us into people that he wants us to become. It's not performance in the spiritual life. It's learning, it's allowing ourselves to be transformed. That is a sign of the Spirit. And it's not at the pace that we like. We have to be patient with God's slow work in our being and in the world. The other thing that I see uh, as a sign of the Holy Spirit is, is what Paul talks, will be talking about, is, is learning to be a compliant soul. Paul is not just, and, and, and resilient, Paul is not just talking about us being um, uh, doing a lot of things, although we are called to do, but it's learning to, to do that one thing that Jesus nudges us to do. Compliance, a compliant soul. What a beautiful thing. And then as we look in Romans 8, you're going to also see another word that's going to pop up, and that's grace. That grace is the driving force in our spiritual lives. You know, grace is the most underappreciated. I was talking to somebody who attends a church that's pretty toxic, it's an evangelical church. They win a lot of people to Jesus, but they were telling me about the church. And I said, when's the last time you heard a sermon on grace in that church? And she said, I don't think I've ever, ever heard a sermon on grace in that church. Isn't that fascinating? That in, the, in our zeal to serve Christ, we forget that this begins in grace, 
it processes in grace, it ends in grace. And grace is not your commitment to God, it's about God's commitment to you. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense, we like to say. I'd prefer to say it's, it's God's response after crappy experiences. Grace is that God rolling up God's sleeve and engaging in, in your life on a day-to-day basis. Grace is where our spiritual life begins because we cannot begin anywhere else. It's about the divine initiative in our life. And I'm not talking about Calvinist versus Armenian here for you theology majors. Just forget that. We're talking about grace that takes the initiative in all things and is at work in all things and that is, is, is there even when we can't see it. As Frederick Beatner calls it, a wild and crazy grace that oozes up out of the bedrock hardness of lives. That there is these moments where in the cracks and fissures of, of the hardness of life, something happens and something good comes forth. Grace is at work in our life. And then finally, you know, you you just look at at what you're going to see in this text in Romans 8 in the coming weeks, and you're going to see a lot about faith, hope, and love. You see those words coming out. Um, And again, the three theological virtues that drive drive the body of Christ. Faith, because we don't always have all the answers. The opposite of faith is not doubt. Many times the opposite of faith is certainty. Like we like to have everything fixed. We like to have all tight categories. We like to have nice tight boxes. But faith is moving forward in spite of certainty. It is the assurance of things hoped for. It is not a pat answer for everything that is. And so in the life of of the church, there's a life of faith where we say, I think this is what we need to do, but I might be wrong. Maybe, just maybe, the most important thing in your theology is a little footnote at the bottom that simply says, you know, this is what I believe, but I just might be wrong in a point or two or three here. But certainty is a disease which says, oh, I can't allow for ambivalence. I can't allow for mystery. I can't allow for unanswered questions. Well, if you can't live with unanswered questions, it's going to be pretty hard to live with Jesus because Jesus didn't give us all the answers, did he? Paul says, we, will know in, we, will, we know in part, then we will know fully. When is then? Not this side of heaven, folks. Faith leads us to hope. Hope, again, is not that thing that says, I wish things will come well. It's not wishful thinking. It's a certainty that says, I, there are many things I don't know, but this much I do know. As I look back, I see God at work in history. I see God doing things that I cannot explain other than there's a presence of God. And so with faith comes this hope, this promise that one day God will have the final word in history. I can only watch the news about an hour a day. And one of the great tensions in my household is my wife loves to watch things longer and I just can't take it more than about an hour. The weariness and brokenness and craziness and stupidity of this world overwhelms me after an hour and I have to walk away from the TV set. It's not that I don't give up hope. It's that sometimes I can only find hope when I say God will have the final word. I was talking to someone the other day that says I quit watching the news. I don't watch it all. I don't recommend that. That's ignorance. And God does not call us to be ignorant, but God does call us to find a way to cope with the brokenness of this world, whether it's politics or it's COVID or it's climate change or it's what, you name it. Uh, the only way sometimes we can cope is the way the early church did. It said, no matter how bad this world gets, we know who has the final word in history. And so in the end, Heaven invades the earth. Heaven will have the final word. But in the meantime, heaven is now invading me. The spirit is at work within my life. And the interesting thing is the way God works is by heaven invading the earth is by heaven invading me first and foremost. And when we put that all together, 
uh, we start to take risks. We start to take a chance. Because just maybe with faith, hope, and love, maybe we can make a difference in this world. If we just simply try to be transformed slowly, little by little, something can happen. If we humble ourselves and we're willing to deal with the brokenness and pain and even through our own tears be able to see more clearly, just maybe heaven invades the earth by heaven invading us and something happens and we go out and take a risk. And so I'm going to take a risk this morning in closing. Because Adam Seif has inspired me with his rap career. He's so good at it. And I'm so bad at it. But Bruce, you know where I'm going with this. Because sometimes, what is, what, what's the best way to make a point? By being really bad at it, right? So you are looking at the world's worst rapper. And um, to make my point today, we will just close. But you're going to have to help me out because my voice, obviously, is very weak. So you're going to have to help me in closing today, okay? And the refrain is going to be this. Letting heaven invade the earth by getting heaven into me. Letting heaven invade the earth by letting heaven invade me. Say it again. Let heaven invade the earth by letting heaven invade me. Let heaven invade the earth by letting heaven invade me. Break it down now. There's things only seen through eyes that have cried and a heart that's sufficiently humbled. And there's works you can plan that can only be tried with hands in the past that fumbled. But life teaches you, if you swallow your pride, walk more prudently after you stumbled. For God's greatest prize is a grace that arrives when we admit that our soul is troubled. So let heaven invade the earth by letting heaven invade me. Let heaven invade the earth by letting heaven invade me. When I was a young man, I was always a fan of those called a spiritual giant. But now that I'm old, I see the pure gold of a soul that is simply compliant. Because it's not great achievements which we must pursue when we ponder the things that God calls us to do. For when we are called to our home up above, the legacy we must leave is faith, hope, and love. So let heaven invade the earth by letting heaven invade me. Once again, let the earth by letting heaven invade me. You see, it's not just about getting you into heaven, but getting heaven into you. You don't just perform, you get transformed, but by the Spirit, you're born anew. For God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done, we need the Holy Spirit's shove, because then when you're called to your home up above, the legacy you leave will be faith, hope, and love. So let heaven. Let heaven invade the earth. By letting heaven invade me. Now it's just about time to leave this place. We're going to leave you with one last dare. The world won't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. So let's go in peace, bound to serve the Lord, empowered from above, so at the end of each day those around us will say that what they saw in us was faith, hope, and love. Okay, Denny T out. Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.